Hello, I'm Helen Eaton and I talk about autism and neurodiversity. I talk about these things as my family is neurodivergent, I run workshops and training on autism and it's my favourite thing to talk about. My website is heleneaton.co.uk and there you'll find details on how to buy my lovely new book Anna and Ruby, An Autism Story and lots more information too. This autism podcast is all about social anxiety and social expectations. I'm going to talk a little bit about why autistic people might have social anxiety, uh, when it happens and uh, also about general social expectations which add extra layers of challenges on for autistic people. And I'm going to share when it's gone, for, gone wrong for us. I still have Disney carousel flashbacks, more about that later. And I'll give you a few ideas for improving things too. Please remember, I'm not a medical professional. I'm a trainer and public speaker. Please always seek the advice of a GP, paediatrician or psychologist if you need an expert medical opinion. Right, let's get on with it. Social anxiety affects many people and it may come and go. For most autistic people, though, it's constant and lifelong. The very nature of the autistic brain can make social interaction and social communication really difficult. So social interaction those sort of uh, the chats, the talking, the connecting with other people, be it formal, formally, informally, um, just little chats, you know, going to the bank, going to the shops or parties, whatever, and social communication, the language we use, the behaviours we use to communicate with other people. As I work through this podcast, I'll run through some ideas relating to social anxiety and also how social expectations affect that. But they're not complete lists. They're just examples and suggestions. Every autistic person is a uniquely wonderful mix of autistic traits and their own marvellous characteristics and behaviours. That's what's great about autism. Everybody says, you've met one autistic person? Yeah, you've met one autistic person. So, most autistic brains seem to function on a high state of alert. Uh, With these much higher levels of anxiety and the kind of bigger emotional reactions that often happen, socialising is really tough right from the start. And not all autistic people are introverts. Many enjoy, I said, the right kind of socialising. They're extroverts. Some are really chatty. Some are into drama groups and performing. Very few autistic people seek total social isolation. And perhaps if they are socially isolating, if they are stepping away from the world and out of the world, I wonder sometimes if if that's perhaps because they've been rejected so often or in some way by the world and it's just too much effort to get back out there. Quite a sad thought. When we're socialising, there'll always be, to different degrees, challenges for autistic people with social interaction, social communication and being taken out of a routine or fixed behaviours or fixed diet, particular needs that they have, particular constants. Being social requires lots of different parts of the brain to work and connect together. So when we're socialising, people are accessing language processing, emotional recognition and response, dealing with all the sensory stuff, the sounds, the smell, the noises that's going on, perhaps maybe feeling physically uncomfortable, worrying about something completely unconnected, remembering stuff and so on and so on. Socialising is hard. Um, And I mentioned briefly what is included in the list of social uh, situations. And it's really any form of human contact, face-to-face messaging in groups, mealtimes, train journeys, kind of webinars, uh, video calls. You know, this is a, a, it's an endless list and it's one I won't ever get to the end of. So 
that those sort of interactions are going on all the time. And what's really challenging for autistic people, I say, is unique with every person. But when we're thinking about social connections, we have to think about establishing relationships, so new relationships, meeting somebody for the first time, expecting to build a long-lasting relationship, or even a brief relationship, but just establishing what that relationship is and how it looks like and what it should be can be quite challenging for autistic people. Maintaining relationships, even familiar ones, can also be challenging. Actually, sometimes if we think about it and we're honest, maintaining family relationships is sometimes the hardest, hopefully the most rewarding, but quite hard work. Family members expect a lot from us sometimes, far more than people we don't know as well. Strangers can be very challenging. Meeting somebody, uh, just to you know, bump into them into the street or go into the bank or the shop or buy something from, that can be really hard because you just don't know and you can't predict how they're going to behave and how they're going to respond. Another thing that makes uh, socialising or social interaction challenging for autistic people is being able to communicate needs. When you're anxious or overwhelmed, actually sometimes speech and communication kind of shuts down or slows down. And if you can't communicate what you want, it makes that social switch situation so much harder. Reading non-verbal language, such as facial expressions and body language, is hard. I often hear stories of autistic children being asked to match the face, the smiley face to the emotion or the sad face, the emotion. But it's much more complex than that. When we communicate as people, our bodies are sending out so many messages at once. They're quite easy to miss, particularly if you find that naturally challenging. There are lots of expectations around eye contact when we're socialising. That's very hard. We only really stare deeply into each other's eyes if there's a sort of a special relationship forming. Um, quite often when we're talking, one person will look away and talk and the other person will look at them and then they'll swap as the speech swaps. So it's rare we stare deeply into each other's eyes, but most people expect some sort of eye contact. But that's quite challenging and quite um, personal for autistic people. And it's not something they're comfortable with, but society tends to expect it. It can be quite difficult in a social context, recognising questions, instruction, choices. If we sort of say, oh, wouldn't it be lovely to go outside? The answer is probably no. Full stop. Um, it's how people frame questions. Autistic people may prefer very literal language. And that could be, we are going outside. Would you like to go outside? This is the time we all go outside. That, those kind of instructions rather than hiding hiding demands as a soft choice. That can be quite challenging. You need to be quite specific about what you're saying sometimes. Of course, say it kindly too. Expressing feelings, again, can be very challenging. It may take an autistic person longer to access their feelings. They may be uh, blocking them or kind of hiding them or struggling to process them. And in some interactions we're expected to share our feelings and that that can be quite challenging this shouldn't be a major thing but it's kind of a big thing for me taking turns responding waiting for things um i'm not great in a queue if i'm honest it's quite a british thing to queue it's very important very orderly kind of everybody knows whose turn it is next but i i kind of get frustrated and i haven't worked out which bit of my brain is getting irritated but I find it really hard. And as a child um, who perhaps isn't uh, respecting their social boundaries as much, um, I think that's why they're kind of fast pass sisters and things like that, because the recognition that autistic people just struggle to cue it. I think maybe anxiety increases the unknown, uncertainty. Oh, I, I just want it now. Why can't I have it approach to it, really? 
So there's lots of things there um, that can be challenging socially for autistic people. It's different with every person, varying degrees, but they are challenging things. If we're thinking about social anxiety, the social expectations of ourselves and of those around us can be really challenging. What we expect from a social situation and what other people are expecting from us can cause lots of confusion and lots of anxiety. Examples of social expectations might be when I'm there at whatever social thing, what do I say? What do I do? How long will it last? What's expected of me? Where will I sit? Who will I sit next to? What will they be like? What will they say? What will I say back? How quickly can I escape? How quickly can I get to the toilet? What do I wear? And I don't mean just as in your best frock and heels, but do I need to wear a coat, a jeans okay, or trainers, or will I be comfortable, or do I need to wear my best frock? All those thoughts kind of wear around your head. And sometimes these thoughts are wearing so fast, it's hard to work out which thought is which and which ones are causing the anxiety. Younger children in particular won't recognise social anxiety. They might just misbehave or try to get away or do whatever it takes not to go. So hiding, delaying, breaking stuff, whatever it takes not to go to the social thing that's causing them anxiety. In terms of social expectations, we need to think about the social rules. These are usually unwritten, unspoken, but the rules of every social occasion, the things that other people expect from us. I can talk about it in terms of eating out, eating in a restaurant. So three different types of places, sort of fast food place, table service or formal silver service. So some places we walk into, we kind of verbally chuck our order over the counter, our food gets chucked back at us. We kind of hope we can get a table that's reasonably clean, sit, eat, go. There are restaurants where a waiter or waitress might come to us and take our order. They bring the the food to us, hopefully with a smile and a little chat and they check how we're doing and we might pay at the table, all those sort of things. And there are some very formal restaurants. I must admit, I'm not overly comfortable in these because I don't like the attention, but there are restaurants where people are there for our every need and our glasses are constantly tapped up and the silver. So it's all very smart. Three very different ways of eating out. Most people intuitively pick up how to order in these places by watching how other people do it. They might see it on TV shows, in adverts. They recognise and respond to the social signals and cues from those around them. Autistic people might miss these little clues on how to do things or these life lessons somewhere along the way. So if you went to a fast food restaurant and you sat and waited for your food order to be taken and it was delivered with a smile and you expected your tea politely poured exactly how you like it, then you'd be waiting an awfully long time. Or actually, most likely you'd be laughed at when you refer to any of those things. It's pretty rubbish being laughed at for not doing the social thing you didn't know you were supposed to do. We don't always know what the social expectations are and it can be very Um, disconcerting very upsetting if we get it wrong and people tell us we're getting it wrong and the more negative feedback you get the less likely you are to try and do that thing again or try anything else new instead sometimes the social expectations are too great the expectations of ourselves and others for autistic people always think about what's manageable what's a stretch or something that might be challenging but we can do it and it's worth doing all those things that are unrealistic When I think about um, past experiences and and, and events that I've seen about managing expectations, I often think about the uh, family and it makes me quite sad thinking about it. Actually, I'd seen a young lad walking around Disneyland Paris um, and I from watching him, I saw him quite a few times. He caught my eye. My guess is perhaps he was autistic. 
right at the end of the day, it was a long day, long, hot day, busy day. I saw him, um, I, can, I can picture it now, he was kind of tucked away in a corner of a little building, a cowboy style building, I think it was. He was up like a, um, up a fence and, and his mum was really telling him off. And I mean telling him off, she had her finger in his face, she was very close, she was bent over and she was saying things like, you've really let me down, I knew you wouldn't manage this, I knew you'd misbehave, you've ruined the day for the whole family, what a waste of time, I should never have brought, brought you here, I knew, I knew this would happen. So let me be clear, I don't have the full story, I don't have the full picture, but what I saw in that moment and what I heard was I knew you I knew you wouldn't be able to cope in brackets, but I brought you anyway, and now I'm telling you you didn't cope and I'm blaming you for not coping. And I think the social expectations there, that, that situation was set for failure. We don't get it right all the time, but I know that when we go to places like that as a family, when we're out and about, we think about what's realistic. My children are older now, it, it does make it easier um, to have those conversations and we kind of have fun in our own different ways at, at different times during the day and that's fine but we don't expect to be the first one in we don't expect to do absolutely everything and be the last ones out of the park thinking back again to a time where we didn't quite get it right we just had one child at the time we took our son to okay, it was Disneyland Paris again by chance and uh, as I mentioned right in the introduction we walked into the hotel, we were checking in, my son leapt on a little carousel, a little mini carousel, six or so little mini horses, jingling round and round, jingling music playing, all very merry. My son was so happy. And once we'd sorted out all the paperwork, we tried to get him off there and we said it was time to leave. He screamed the place down. He screamed and he screamed and he really kicked the ground and he had a right strop when we managed to peel him off the horse and he threw himself across the floor right in the doorway. And that was most people's welcome for about an hour to Disneyland was my son screaming on the floor saying, don't make me leave Disneyland. And what we worked out was that we hadn't explained what Disneyland Paris was. We hadn't explained about the theme park and the different sections. We had gotten to the hotel and my son, that was enough for him. He thought that was great. He was not prepared to go. He wasn't able to listen to the fact that there was more stuff out in the main park. We didn't manage those expectations in terms of what he was able to cope with and actually what he could do and what fun stuff there was and what the opportunities were. But I do have that flashback of that hotel and that carousel and that's just the, the screaming child. As much as I love him, as I say, it wasn't the best welcome for everyone else at Disney that day. It is challenging. Um, it is challenging managing social anxiety and social expectations, but the payoff should be worth it. If I sort of summarise with a few top tips, remember even small social interactions can be challenging. You don't have to say yes to every social thing. You don't have to say no to every social thing. Think about what's manageable and what might comfortably stretch someone socially. Perhaps it may cause a little bit of anxiety, a bit of uncertainty, but you can do it and it's worth it. You don't have to be the last one to leave any event. Go when the time's right and before it becomes a bad experience. Think about what are comfortable social experiences and do more of those and prepare for the more challenging ones. Knowing what's expected, what's going to happen, what's happening now, what's happening next, and how and when you're going to leave, all those things help an autistic person. Recognise and celebrate positive social interactions. Recognise the things that have gone well. Very often in life, we tell people what they've done wrong, what they didn't do right, and how they fail to meet our expectations. We don't celebrate the good stuff, no matter how small. And how do you know if you're kind of getting it right and it's worthwhile doing if nobody says, yay, well done you? celebrate those positive social interactions. Don't presume anything. Ask your autistic person what they want and what might help them. 
break down the social event or the social interaction in little pieces, in little chunks, and work out which bit makes them uncomfortable and how you can get around that. There might be lots of things in that day or that morning they would enjoy, but there's one bit that they don't. It's useful to remind autistic people of the benefits of social interactions. That's kind of how the world's structured. And we do need to interact as challenging as it might be to get stuff done in life. And it helps if we're comfortable and we know how to do it. I really enjoy sharing my knowledge and experience. um, And I hope you found some of those thoughts, those ideas useful. Please let other people know about this podcast. Have a look at my website, heleneaton.co.uk and follow me on social media. And just before I go, a final reminder that Anna and Ruby, an autism story, is available to buy my website. It is a beautifully illustrated graphic novel. I'm incredibly proud of the story it tells and the information it shares. So have a look online at www.heleneaton.co.uk. Thanks for listening and bye.